0: Um, I am actually excited about this message this morning. You know, we started last week into this I Am series leading up to Easter, and and really it's taking a look at Jesus' own words, because in the book of John, there are seven I Am statements that Jesus makes. And we're not going to go through all seven. There are just a couple I wanted us to look at. But the one we looked at last week is when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Is anybody else buzzing? I think the mothership's coming. It seems to be landing somewhere over in this area. Over here. I don't know. The mothership. Oh, it's gone. UFOs are like that. There they go. We got to look at last week that Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Kind of contrasting the, the pitch that a lot of other religions make or that people will say that all religions are the same, all pointing to the same gods through different terms, and, but it's all the same. Listen, we looked through scripturally and the idea that they cannot be working towards the same things. They don't coexist. If heaven is your goal, the only way there is through faith in Jesus Christ. This week... We're going to take a look at some bread, Good stuff, right? oh no we 'll we'll back it up here. I want to kind of give you a little bit of background before we jump into this i 'm going to be going into John chapter six. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. We also have Bibles in the pews that you can use, or you can follow us online. but here's what 's taking place. How many of you have ever heard of this miracle that took place in the Bible where Jesus fed five thousand people? You ever heard this before and And so scripturally. We understand that what it actually says is it was 5,000 men, because only the heads of the households were counted in that that census, meaning there could easily have been 10, 15, even 20,000 people there that Jesus feeds miraculously. He gives them all this bread. He gives them all this fish. And now he does this, a little boy says, hey, I've got a lunch here in my lunchbox. What can you do with it? And Jesus says, I'm going to multiply it and feed this entire crowd they feed everybody, and then at the end, they got leftovers. How many everybody said, praise Jesus for leftovers, right? Listen, sometimes what you made the night before tastes better the next day. Sometimes it doesn't. I don't know what to tell you. That's it's bad. So they have this, and immediately after this incredible miracle, Jesus turns, and he starts to go on to what God has for him next, and these people chase him down. They're like, this guy gave us bread. We don't have to be on the keto diet anymore. We can. This is going to be amazing. So they go after Jesus and and here's what he tells them. We're going to read in verses 33 to 36. He says, the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. But you haven't believed in me, even though you have seen me. What an awesome statement that Jesus is making right here in this moment. If you follow me, you'll never be hungry again. Praise the Lord. How many of you, your grocery bill, that would really help. You got kids right now? I'm telling you, when we look at our grocery bill on a monthly schedule, (gasps) pray for us. You'll never be hungry. You'll never be thirsty again. No, he's not speaking to physical needs. He's actually talking about this reality that your physical body needs food and it needs water. But you have a spiritual aspect inside of you that also needs to be fed and nurtured. And Jesus says, I can give you so much that every other need in comparison will be absolutely nothing. You'll never be hungry again. But, but here's where I want to contrast two ideas this morning. God makes very clear what his mission is for us. But here's something that we need to, to wrestle with a little bit this morning, okay? What do we really want from God? What is it that we, in our lives, in our pursuit of God, what is it that we really want from him? Because these people chased him down He was offering free bread and they're like, I want to get some more free bread. This guy, this is amazing. Let's get some more of this bread. And so they're chasing him down and there's just this revelation that comes about what we as humans are pursuing out of relationship with God. And there are probably like a hundred different ways you could go with this, but I got five things really quick. Things that we're looking for from God. Number one, acceptance. God, would you accept me just as I am? And isn't it awesome that God does accept us just the way that we are? In fact, we have a song we'll be singing a little bit later when we do communion. God, you accept me just as I am. Uh, But here's the other side of that. God doesn't want you to stay that way. He wants you to be transformed in relationship with him. But acceptance. Next is provision. God, would you meet my needs? Lord, when I have to go to Aldi and I have $180 worth of groceries in one bag, my heart hurts. Lord, will you provide for me? Will you provide for my needs? Meet my needs? How about blessing? Above and beyond, I want to be blessed, God, by the good things that you're doing. I want to be blessed by all the things that you're pouring into my life and the ways that are going above and beyond my needs. Then direction. But there's kind of an issue with direction. Direction is typically something we ask from God when we don't know where to go. It's not like we want direction from God all the time. It's just like, hey, Lord, I'm kind of in the middle of navigating this certain issue, and I just don't know which way to go with it. Could you tell me now where the direction is? And then lastly is security. I want to know that when I take my last breath, my relationship with Jesus will save me from the pit of hell, and I will get to have eternity in heaven with God. These are the things that we want. Now, you can go a lot of different directions, but I I feel like a lot of it boils down to these five things that we want. But here's a contrast. Maybe we've never thought about this before. What does God really want from us? What does God want from us? I want to pause here for a second and kind of speak to something. God doesn't need anything from us. He's not dependent on us for anything. And I know that these two words get really blurred in our world today, want and need, but let me explain them just a little bit, okay? Like, I want a 2023 Corvette Z06. Oh, wait a minute, that is a need. That was a bad example. I'll think of something. No, no. That's something I want, right? No, no, no. Need. I need pen power to restore electricity at my home. (laughs) Worked all day at the Easter egg event. Did not get to get a shower last night. I'm sorry, okay? Did take a bath in the sink when I got here. It was amazing. (laughs) Some people are like, which sink? (laughs) <laughs> want and need are two drastically different things and so when when we're talking about what does god want from us we're not talking about god being up in heaven and dependent on us for anything god doesn't need anything from you but you have you ever stopped to contemplate what does god want from you i have a couple things here just as ideas and there's some scripture behind these things number one love God wants love. In fact, when we look and Jesus has asked this question in his ministry, Jesus, what is the greatest of all commandments? And you know what his answer is? I can sum up everything that the prophets have taught all throughout history with this one phrase. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. God says, I want your love in my life. Next is honor. Honor. We can read in 1 Corinthians 6, it says, God bought you with a price, therefore you ought to honor God with your body. Proverbs three nine says that we should honor God with our wealth. The things that we have, we should use to honor God. He says he wants our trust, understanding. He wants us to be a part of that. Proverbs three five and 6, do not trust on your own understanding. Seek in all of your ways to lean into God and believe that he's going he's to give you all that you need. Here's one that's really hard. This is one we don't like to talk about a lot in American Christianity. Holiness. God says, I want holiness from you. I want you to be holy. In fact, one of my favorite scriptures is Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. It says, I urge you, therefore, brothers, in sight of God's mercy, to offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God. Two words there that are just like, ugh. Holy and acceptable unto God. Why? Because this is your spiritual act of worship. This is how you love God. By being holy and acceptable. And it says, and giving yourselves over to the renewing of your minds in Christ Jesus. This is so imperative to us that we live. And Jesus said of himself in John fourteen three, he looked at his disciples, his followers, and he said this. Be holy even as I am holy. Whoa. Steep challenge. But God's looking for holiness. And last is fidelity. God's looking for fidelity. He's looking for our faithfulness. You go back into the Old Testament, you probably heard of the Ten Commandments. Number one is this. He goes, I want to be very clear. You can have no other gods before me. I don't want to be second to anything. I want to be first, I want to be best, and I want to be most. Now that sounds, I mean, he even uses the term, the Lord your God is a jealous God. Not looking pretty from the way that we understand jealousy. When he says, this is how I want to be loved and served by you. And listen, I know that we tell ourselves, we talked to the, about this a little bit last week. We don't necessarily sh- set up shrines to other gods, but we do. There are things that we worship because we give it our time, talent, attention, and resources. And anything that we're giving more of that to than we are to God, we're worshiping. God says, I don't want anything else before me. And these are the things, really, you can come up with a lot of ideas, but it boils down to this. God says, I want your love. Your honor, your trust, your holiness, and your fidelity. And when we contrast these two lists about what we want from God versus what He wants from us, can we just be honest? Sometimes there are some impasses. There are some impasses, some things that take place that we're just not seeing each other eye to eye. And I I want to look at this again. We're going to go back just a little bit further from where we started in John chapter 6. So this is what Jesus says to the group that chases him down, saying, we want the bread, we want the bread. Here's what he says to them. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous sign. They answered, show us a miraculous sign. If you want us to believe in you, What can you do? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say that Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. I want to pause there for just a second. If you're not familiar with this, in the Old Testament, there is kind of a story that we read about how the children of the Israelites, they were banished from God's promised land because of their sin. And they were out in the wilderness, and God fed them. And he gave them this manna from heaven. It was not bread. In fact, they don't know what it is. That's why they called it manna. Manna is literally Hebrew for, what is it? That's literally what it means in Hebrew. They saw all this stuff on the ground. Two guys having a conversation. They're like, what is that? The other guy goes, oh, no, we should eat it. <laughs> yeah, let's eat it. And it came all, all the time that they needed, all through those 40 years that they were in the wilderness, it continued to come for them. And so that's what they're speaking to when they're saying, hey, uh, not to name drop or anything, Jesus, but you, know, you gave us bread yesterday, but when Moses was on the scene, he gave bread from heaven every day for 40 years. So I don't know if you're as good as you think you are. Here's what he says. This is Jesus' response in verses 32 to 33. I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. Moses didn't do that. He was just a man. My father gave you what you needed. But now, he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Man, if it's coming from God, I want it. And this is what he says to them i am the bread of life it's me i am the bread of life here's a question are god and i on the same page of what i want from god and what he wants to give me are we on the same page in this because jesus is speaking to this in a moment he says here's the reality you want bread from me you want the blessing you want the provision You want the direction. You want this. You're chasing me down because I literally fed you. And you're thinking, wow, what a great system. I wouldn't even have to go to work anymore because I'd just get this free bread that comes every single day and God would take care of me. And he's like, this is what you are so hungry for. You want the bread. But then there's this sad statement on the other side of it. He goes, you don't want me. You don't want me. You just want the blessing. You don't want relationship with me. You just want the gift. You don't want to love me. You don't want to serve me. You don't want to give me the best of yourself. You just want my best from me for you. And it takes place, and listen, they're like, give us a sign, give us a sign, show us a miraculous sign. Literally, he had just fed 5,000 people. But you know what? For those who are needing a sign, no sign is ever enough. And I had years ago a really good friend of mine. His name was Steve, great man of God. He had a couple daughters. His oldest daughter had a a child, and when this this girl was about two years old, she got cancer. And it was just a terrible situation. Doctors gave no hope. They're like, listen, we're sorry. There's nothing we can do for this little girl. And we as a church, we got together and we're like, you know what? There's nothing that any doctor can do, but we can pray because the power of God is able to heal this two-year-old girl. And we got together, and we just we laid hands on her, and we prayed for her, and we prayed in the name of Jesus that this cancer would be gone forever. And you want to know that God is so good that he healed that little girl miraculously. She went to her doctors, and I mean, they were dumbfounded. They made her do test after test after test to try to figure out how is it possible that this two-year-old girl who was supposed to die is now cancer-free. And you know, in that moment, I remember... Her da- his daughter, she was so excited. Imagine being a mom or a dad and you literally were handed your child back from the grave. And she was so excited and, and wanted to dance for Jesus and just thinking to herself, oh my goodness, God is so good, God is so good, God is so good. Fast forward 10 years later, she died of a drug overdose completely having turned her back on God. The sign wasn't enough. And we see the same thing happen. In fact, if you read in Luke chapter 17, we have this, this picture that we see of this time in which there were some people with a skin disease. They got a healing. And, and this 10 people, they come up and they're, they're cast away from God. They can't have a relationship with other people. And they yell, Son of man, have mercy on us. And Jesus says, Go and show yourselves to the priest for you're healed. And they have this skin disease and they turn and they run and they're like, oh, we're healed, it's amazing. And as the 10 of them are running, only one stops. And he goes, whoa, I gotta go back and give thanks to this one who just healed me. And he runs back and the Bible tells us that he falls at the feet of Jesus, thanking him and worshiping. And Jesus' own words are this, 10 were healed, yet only one has come back to give glory to God. Why? Because the other 9 just wanted the stuff. They just wanted the stuff. I just want the healing. I just want the blessing. I just want the direction. I just want the provision. I I'm not really I don't really care about the rest of it. But this one comes back and falls at the feet of Jesus. He says, "God, I love you because you saved me." We look at Jesus in the last part of his ministry as he's having The Last Supper with His disciples, and one of the things that He has to say to those who are standing there is He says, listen, one of you will betray Me. One of you will turn your back on Me because you just wanted Me for the stuff. To you, I represented power. I represented position. And now that there's a better position and more power available, you're going to turn your back on Me. You're going to forsake Me. Listen, this happens all through scripture and it's time and time again. Jesus is saying, I'm the bread of life. I'm not just your provision, your direction. I'm not just your hope. I'm not just your peace. I'm the God of the universe and I want relationship with you. And we look at this gift of salvation like it was something that God did for us. Have you ever stopped to consider that it was also something that God did for himself? So desperate for relationship with you desiring so greatly to have connection with you, that John 3.16 tells us that God loved this world so much. He loved you. Throw your name in there. God loved Chris so much. God loved Bill so much. God loved Blossom so much that he sent his one and only son because that love could not be enjoyed, appreciated, or accepted until a penalty was paid. And he said, I can't have relationship with them, and I want it so badly I'd give my own son for it so that I could love them and they can love me. We look at it as a gift that God gave to us, but really it's something that he also did for himself. He goes, I want relationship with those whom I love. And then Jesus standing on the scene watching a generation around him says, show us a sign, show us a sign, give us some more, do another miracle, do another thing, show it, prove it again, prove it again, prove it again, give us more. Jesus looks at them and he goes, the only reason you're after me is because I fed you. You don't really want me. You're hungry for bread, but please hear me. I'm the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. And if you would partake of this, you would never be hungry again. And Jesus makes another I am statement. We're not going to get to study this when he says I'm the good shepherd. And if you go back into Psalm 23, you've probably heard this before. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want I'll lack no good thing because he leads me beside still waters he causes me to lie down in green pastures he takes care of me and I don't need anything because I've got God Jesus said that promise here I am I'm the bread of life in a minute we're going to take communion together and as Jesus was with his disciples establishing this first time when communion was ever celebrated He picked up a loaf of bread and the Bible tells us that he blessed it and then he broke it and he held it up and he said, this is my body, which is for you. This is what I've given for you. I'm the bread of life and I'm going to let myself be broken so that we can have relationship. This is the measure of my love. This is how much I love you. Then he goes on to say the blood, This, this cup represents the blood. It's the blood of the new covenant because I want relationship with you. I want to know you. I want you to know me. And church, if we we're honest with ourselves, every single one of us in this room, this guy included, we have moments when we want the stuff from Jesus and not just Jesus himself. We have moments where we just want the next thing from God and not God himself, but to love him as who he is in the way that he desires to be loved is to lay down all those other things and say, Jesus, you're enough. And I just want you. Will you bow your heads with me? God, we thank you for giving us the bread of life. A people who had absolutely no hope of reconciling our brokenness, that broken relationship between us and You. There was nothing that was going to fix it. And You loved us so much that You gave Your Son to restore it to us. You sent Your Son to be the bread of life. This bread that would satisfy and sustain us for all of our lifetimes, God. Would You please forgive us God, every single one of us, would you please forgive us? Because there are times and places where we've just been seeking more your hand than your face. Looking for the next thing. The next way in which you're going to prove yourself or show yourself, reveal yourself, provide for us, direct our lives. We're just looking for the next thing. And sometimes, God, we get our eyes off of just desiring relationship with you. Would you forgive us for that, Lord? Would you challenge us today, God? Holy Spirit, would you just begin to speak to every person in this room, those watching us online? Remind us that this is for so much more than just the stuff. It's for relationship with God and lives that are lived as worship for your glory. As we're in prayer and every eye is closed, nobody's looking around, it's just a moment between you and God. But Maybe you're here today and you would save yourself if I'm being honest, sometimes my eyes are a little more fixed on the stuff of God than God himself. I want to get my eyes back on Jesus. I want the bread of life. If that's you, can I ask you to slip up a hand? I want to pray for you this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, many hands, many hands. Thank you. I want to lead you in a prayer because this is where it starts. It's the beginning of saying, God, I choose you over everything else. Will you pray this with me? Lord Jesus? I love you, and I want to worship you, not just for the stuff, but for who you are. I invite you into my heart, into my life, and I want to live my life for you and with you, in Jesus' name, amen. God, we thank you that you always are so gracious to us and merciful. You give us other opportunities to have connection with you, God. And I pray, Lord, as we move into this time of remembering your sacrifice for us, that we would do so challenged by the reality that you desire relationship with us. And God, that you'd speak to the areas of our lives where all we're after is bread. And that you'd help us in our hearts, our minds, and within our spirits to see What we really need is relationship with you. We want to worship you for who you are, Lord.